Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I do. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Oh, hello you. Welcome to Broken Records. It's episode 71 of the podcast, which searches for the worst album ever made in the history of music. My name's Stephen Hill. You can listen to me usually on a Friday and various other times as well during the week on Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, where myself and my co-host, who's also here, Renfrey Deadman. Here he is. Look, there he is. Hello. Renfrey. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Got your big got your big Metallica thing on, have you? Uh, Metalli blanket on. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I yeah. refuse to take it off. I'm kind of trying Ooh. to wear it for as long as I can before having to wash it. You know when you have a new garment and mm. it still has that new garment smell? You know, I'm trying to hold, hold on to that for as long as I possibly can. Well, the, the way to do that is to occasionally take it off. Yes, yes, yeah, fine, fine. Uh, yeah, I, would, I mean, I would say. I, I, it, not that people need to know this, but it will need to be washed in the next couple of days. <laughs> it definitely the will. Next couple of days. <laughs> Fucking hell. Probably tomorrow. <laughs> probably tomorrow. Probably tomorrow. Uh, anyway, no one needed to know that. Renfrey's no. here as well. As Hello. I said, you can find us on Riot Act. Just talking about good things in the world of music every Friday. So go over and have a little look at that. We've got a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast as well. If you want to leave a, a review on Spotify or iTunes, I'm going to do a little bit of a plug because it's going to be quite a long episode. So why not yeah. etch it out even <laughs> yeah. further? Uh, we'd appreciate that. But only five star reviews. Thanks. Otherwise, don't bother. Um, I think that's I'm all right in saying that, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, good. Anyway, um, as mentioned, this is where we're searching for the worst album ever made. We collect albums based on their reputation, their critical standing, the fan reaction, the cultural appropriation of the album, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, maybe the artist in question just went absolutely fucking mental in the recording of the record. Could be many reasons why an album ends up. On this podcast today, we are going to be talking about Cyberpunk by Billy Idol, the fifth studio album from the UK plastic punk rock superstar solo star, released on the 29th of June 1993. Before we get into that, I'm going to do the flop 20, the 20 worst albums that we have covered thus far on the podcast in descending order. They are The Cosmos Rocks by Queen of Paul Rogers, The United Nations of Sound by Richard <laughs> Richard Ashcroft, Mr. Blobby, the album, the original soundtrack to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Eog and Quig's Owen Quig, Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2, Blood, Sweat and Towers by Towers of London, Heart to Swallow by Vanilla Ice, The Rebirth by Little Wayne. Look at that, somebody getting a newbie, a little entry. new entry yeah. into the flop 20. Cut the Crap by The Clash, Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman, Philosophy of the World by The Shags, Arsehole by Gene Simmons, Total Zanarchy by Little, da- little Zan, Blood on the Dance Floor's Bad Blood, Methods of Mayhem's Methods of Mayhem, True Symphonic Rockers' Concerto and True Minor, Double Wide by Uncle Cracker, Crazy Frog presents Crazy Hits, and at number one, still, you know it, I know it, they, deep down inside, I'm sure, know it as well. Broken Side, I'm Not a Fan, 
but the kids like it. The worst record that we have covered thus far. And of course, as ever, I like to point out Chinese Democracy by Guns N' Roses, unrankable in our list of 70 albums so far oh, in this list. Yeah, well, we've, done, we've listened to a lot of bad records. Quite a lot. But into that list will go Cyberpunk by Billy Idol, the fifth studio album by Billy Idol, as I said, released on the 29th of June. 1993 so let's talk about billy idol before we get into this album specifically renfrey Mm -hmm. billy idol as i mentioned the kind of cartoon punk that billy idol is the plastic punk as some people had referred to him the mtv punk rock darling of the 1980s a lot of people looked at billy idol with a lot of cynicism i think in the 80s and let's be honest here when you sort of say plastic cartoon faux punk rocker Let's be honest here. He kind of was, wasn't he? He kind of was. Yeah, yeah. I can I can see that absolutely. I mean, I don't have very strong feelings towards Billy Idol one way or the other, I have to be honest. I've got lots of fond memories of playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City and having the White Wedding coming on. I think it was White Wedding that was mm-hmm. on that soundtrack. You know, and like I like the classics and uh but I don't have a strong I know that criticism was there, but I kind of wasn't there at that time. So it was something that happened pre me being conscious of it. Um so I don't have a strong kind of view on it. I mean, I'm curious to know your view on Billy Idol because we've never really I don't think we've ever really talked about no. Billy Idol, have we? Not not in uh any great detail certainly only passingly have we mentioned billy idol i think yeah i mean like i say plastic cartoon punk rocker i mean that's a that's a something that you could throw at billy idol but by design i would say i mean the songs that billy idol wrote in in their 80s that turned him into a superstar were a mix i would say of hard rock little tiny snippets of punk maybe more in the aesthetic than the actual sound and that almost sort of 80s new romantic pop sheen that those songs had. And, you know, that shit worked. There's no getting away from it. That yeah, shit it worked. You know, Billy Idol has a, a, a string of hits from the 1980s that stand up today as great bangers from the time. Rebel Yell, you mentioned White Wedding, Dance With Myself, Money Money, Hot In The City... Like, they're kind of cheesy, but they're all great songs. You it's, know, they it, were perfect. It's a fantastic formula. That's a, It's mm. a fantastic formula and it works, you know. And I'm not a, the biggest fan of, you know, artists repeating formulas over and over again, as we've discussed before. But that was one which felt idiosyncratic and fairly unique to him at the time. And it mm. worked. So yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, this is the, the era of teenage sort of like... Pre the sort of cynicism of the 90s, the John Hughes 80s teen um, big shoulder pads and, you know, party lifestyle. You know, Billy Idol felt kind of perfect for that, I Hmm. I think. And the videos were overblown. They're full of pomp and circumstance and lunacy. And he looked like a sailor. He looked like a cartoon character with spiky bleached blonde hair, leather trousers and a curled lip. And... This is way past the aftermath of punk rock being the zeitgeist. Like, punk is essentially dead at this point. And I suppose the criticism of him would be, why are you the person who is, like, the mainstream idea of punk rock when 
there was obviously as we now would look back and go bad brains and black flag and agnostic front and all this stuff was happening but that wasn't happening in the mainstream billy idol was the kind of the one link from 1977 left into the mainstream but to be honest i always think that but i think like he wasn't the only one who did this you know fergal sharky talking heads blondie all arguably kind of did the same sort of thing right which was come from the punk underground and become mtv superstars yeah absolutely and and have that almost cartoony chic to them as well you know (laughs) there was that yes there was a there was a musical connection with punk but i suppose the thing it didn't share with punk punk had this ideal that like anyone could do it three chords and the truth sort of thing and Mm. you know there was no barrier to the stage and i think people like billy idol and blondie brought back that thing of no those they are superstars and they are not within my touching distance reach you know i i bow down to them kind of thing almost that showmanship i suppose that charisma maybe yeah and then you look at someone like david byrne from talking heads who you know they came from the punk scene when you get into the talking heads in the 80s like not only have they got musically nothing to do with punk rock at all but you know david byrne is not the sort of person who you could go ah he's just like me you know no No. (laughs) not at all um uh, but billy idol i think was the one who was the most explicitly still linked to punk due to the way he looked i would say johnny rotten famously called him the punk rock perry cuomo that's a a a tag that has followed him around you know his his sort of entire life which Um, which sounds great to me that like yeah. I, I know it's meant as an insult but that kind of i i actually really like that idea personally but, mm. uh, but yeah i mean you know i again like punk with tunes i mean it, yeah it's weird like i listened great. to a bunch of billy I, I listened to a bunch of billy idol hits earlier and i was like none of this even strikes me as musically attempting anything to do with punk rock at all no it, it is more an aesthetic isn't it um yeah I, I mean, I think there's um, very little punk in cyberpunk, <laughs> ironically. No. And I don't want to mm. jump ahead too much. But yeah, certainly there isn't. You know, if you didn't feel like there was much punk in the Billy Idol material that you're probably more familiar with than this album, um, then you're certainly not going to find it here just because no. the word punk is in the title. <laughs> it's Absolutely. a very different kind of punk absolutely not and it's funny when we pick this album out of the hat you and i which is just say this before we get into any further we really i i knew nothing about this album i think i'm right in saying this you knew nothing about this album Uh, this particular album absolutely nothing no yeah so when we picked this out of the hat i thought i saw what it was and i looked at the date and i went 1993 and i went ah this clearly isn't a backlash against the 80s billy idol this album wasn't poorly received because a load of punks were writing for rolling stone or the nme or whatever and they decided to take him down um it's 1993 right so as soon as i saw the date on this record i thought here we go here we go it's going to be another and then nirvana came along and killed our career that's going to be what this is oh why did you do this alternative rock destroyed i mean there are a few we have duran duran coming up at one point mm. in this this series and at that point you will go oh, your attempt to reinvent yourself <laughs> during the alternative rock era was not the best we've already done motley crew yeah who did that as well yeah 
um bit more to it with motley crew but um although i'm sure you know the advent of alternative rock and nirvana and stuff maybe played a bit of a part as to why this album didn't work it is definitely not the reason that it is here we should say that right now i think you gave a very educated guest uh guest guess last week uh which was not inaccurate but only told a tiny tiny part of the story as to why this record is here but there's also some really fascinating things about this record in terms of the way that they use technology and the home recording and things like that which are really soothsaying in terms of how the industry continues to operate today and it really is some of the stuff that I read about this record I was really really surprised at and it's very much in a positive sense I don't think that Billy Idol necessarily was the catalyst for those things happening but the fact that he was experimenting with those things that we now take for granted today on the technology of 1993 which is going to be very very basic it's um the the only you can't tell the story of this album without talking about the pioneering aspects of it as well and i mean in a sort of beatles late 60s sense in terms of recording (laughs) techniques and stuff like that which is insane that i'm even saying that but there is a parallel Mm. so what the fuck are we on about let's (laughs) get into it In 1990, Billy Idol released his album Charmed Life. Now, at this point, it's not really the 90s, is it? It's not really the 90s in 1990. It's really like 90... The 90s really started around sort of early 92, I would say. I mean, you know, people usually point to Nevermind, um, and that's probably quite a good point to point to. So it wasn't really the 90s. So still, Billy Idol is the superstar of the 80s in the early part of the 90s the album did pretty well for him had a big hit single on the album cradle of love which people might be familiar with um that was like the main single from it but you know billy idol being a massive 80s rock star was quite well versed in excess the excesses of the time that was what the 80s was all about wasn't it huge excessive debauched behavior And on the night that Billy Idol completed the album Charmed Life, he had a party to celebrate. And being a massive multi-million platinum-selling LA-based rock star, he got pretty fucked up. Um, Because that's just what you did when you were one of these people back in those days. You did loads of drugs, you had loads of sex, you drank loads, you acted the fool. That's just what you did, as we have discussed via many bands on many occasions excess and debauchery was the order of the day in the 1980s even in 1990 which is essentially still the 1980s i would say yeah he certainly wasn't the only one i think Mm -hmm. is fair to say yeah Mm. so waking up in the morning after billy idol decided to try and clear his head apparently the stress of making this album had really got to him and he was partying quite a lot and he decided to go and clear his head by going for a ride on his harley davidson motorbike now back then i read renfrey there was no law for having to wear a helmet on a motorbike no i don't think there was no yeah it was an unmandated thing so billy idol being the you know live fast live loose potentially die young 
fucker that he was, mm. decided to not wear a helmet and mm. probably still being the after effects of the night before, went out for a ride on his Harley Davidson motorbike, ran a stop sign and was hit by a truck. Mm. <laughs> like, fucking hell. Which completely knocked him unconscious, uh, obviously. Um, there's a little clip in his autobiography, a little kind of passage in his autobiography, which, um, which says this. I'm about the accident i'm transported to above myself there are no white tunnels or distant lights rather a red dimension walking through the shadow world on either side i see beings who grace the crimson night crowding around to greet me they pour out their love their strange dimension sends a beam of thought you're all right we love you don't worry here is love they press and push the circle of people holds my soul in a warm embrace cool. <laughs> wow. um, he's poetic it is. Apparently, Billy Idol says that he spent some time in the outer, in between death and and heaven and in a, in life a, on earth. In a purgatory sort of In a kind state. of purgatory of state is what he believes. Um, when that. he came to, he uh, sustained pretty serious injuries whilst recovering from the accident. Um, he actually thought he was going to have his leg amputated. He was going to have to have his leg amputated um, during this because his leg was pretty severely crushed under under the lorry, uh, under the truck, I, mean, I believe. Yeah, a, a, a truck going <coughs> 10 miles an hour if you're on a motorcycle with no helmet could do some serious damage, I would have thought. I, I can't even imagine the 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 truck stuff makes me wince. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not uh, well, I am sympathetic. I mean, I think that he should have, you know, worn protect more protection uh on uh-huh. his head certainly and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But but uh yeah, it's difficult not to think of an incident like that and not feel sort of some sim- I mean the I can't even imagine the the level of pain that 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 must have been oh, astronomical makes me feel yeah. a little bit ill yeah yeah it, it, horrible queasy. Um, i mean if, queasy yeah, it, if you've been watching the show yellow jackets recently there's a bit in that where a guy gets his leg trapped under a plane wing which oh. is fucking horrible and anyway and they pull it up and what's left underneath is pretty gross but i might have to you know, bath i've never had to i've never actually had to be sick on one of these episodes but i'm kind of feeling a little strange not blood in the dance floor <laughs> actually yes i did i did feel yeah i bleached yeah. my innards after that episode what a horrible, yeah horrible episode. anyway yeah mm. I'll be yeah fine. um so anyway uh he thought he's gonna have to have his leg amputated and uh he missed out on a on a in, in a part in terminator 2 billy idol was gonna injury. be in terminator 2 yeah 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 and he missed he couldn't do it he was actually he was in a film with um the comedian andrew dice clay who some of you may remember for being just a bit of a cunt and um andrew dice clay was in a film with him but he had to be filmed from like the head up because he couldn't actually walk when they were filming the the scenes god wow i mean when you think of all the tech noir stuff in the first terminator film billy idol absolutely works but it's sort of weird to imagine billy idol in terminator 2 early 90s again wasn't it yeah. still the 80s really yeah. it was still the 80s essentially True. um but anyway uh during this time whilst he was recovering in hospital he was interviewed by 
the journalist Legs McNeil, which is an unfortunate name to be speaking with someone. Leg McNeil, maybe. Maybe Leg McNeil, you wouldn't feel so bad. But someone coming in going, hello, my name's Legs. Why is that? Because I have two perfectly functioning legs. I mean, that's not why he's called that. But um, Legs McNeil was... You never know. No, you never know. My, my he was... Very unimaginative parents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was the journalist who formed... He was one half of the duo who formed the very influential New York fanzine magazine Punk back yeah. in the day. Oh, yeah. Kind yeah. of invented Punk. And um, McNeil commented, in, uh, commented on the electronic muscle stimulator that was um, inside Billy Idol and dubbed him a cyberpunk. And thus set in motion the chain of events that would lead to this album being created billy idol like this is an insane sliding door scenario it isn't really it really is isn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah. they'd have sent a different journalist who'd have just gone your leg looks like it hurts yeah go, yeah. yeah then we wouldn't be doing None this, this podcast would have happened. yeah Fucking yeah crazy. billy idol liked that terminology so much and decide, decided to start investigating the subculture of cyberpunk which, of course, musically speaking, at least, is not a is not a genre. It doesn't exist as a genre. Cyberpunk, no. like like steampunk, really. Mm. Cyberpunk is more of an aesthetic in science fiction, art, mm. and literature. So, Philip K. Dick and Blade Runner would be a very influential part of that. Uh, the books of William Gibson, yeah. the necromancer, being a big one as well. J.G. Ballard. Neuromancer, just to be... Neuromancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's what Billy Idol said. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, And Crash by J.G. Ballard, which yes. we have spoken about on Riot Act before. Now, it's worth mentioning as well that all of these things had already been influential in music. I mean, we've spoken about warm leatherette by the uh, by the normal mm-hmm. on our depeche mode special mm-hmm. and that was inspired by crash our friends electric by gary newman was inspired by do androids dream of electric street yeah i mean by gary, philip k dick gary newman had this sewed up didn't he in, in he did ways, yeah mm-hmm. yeah but you wouldn't have said that oh you know uh, tubeway army are cyberpunk or the no. normal are cyberpunk they were just electronic artists yeah. but these are all various, you know, the, 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 I guess, it's particularly in the early 80s when synth music was sort of coming to the fore, a lot of this stuff was very influential, the kind of art and the comic books and the literature of that time was very influential in the post-craft working world, I would say. It's almost as if what you're trying to say and forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth, Steve, but it's almost as if what you're trying to say is what Billy Idol is trying to create with the term <laughs> cyberpunk and applying it to his music is stuff that had already been around for about 10 years. Yeah, maybe a bit more. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'd say 15, personally. <laughs> but um, Which for uh, an album yes. about technology, looking backwards that much is probably not the way to go, is it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the weird thing about this is Billy Idol did say cyber kind of looked into cyberpunk and went this is something which it's using the word punk, but it's not a musical form called cyberpunk. No. So I'll invent it whilst also ignoring the fact that many other artists had been massively influenced by this stuff. For years. Quite a long time before he yeah. started doing it, which is you would 
you would think he would know that, right? You would think during his extensive research into the subculture, someone would go, you know, the normal did warm leatherette in 1978, right? I mean, in all that I've read on this, which I'll be honest is only the Wikipedia entry, although the Wikipedia entry is the length of a book. Fucking massive! Yeah. <laughs> um, you know... I don't recall him saying, oh, I have this brilliant, bold, new, original idea. I don't recall him at any point saying that, you know. No. He didn't mention no. the Gary Newmans of the world and so on and so forth either. Probably um, for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite. But he, you know, I, I don't recall him going, this is completely new and brave and bold. It's just what he seemed to be excited. It's a subculture that he seemed to be excited about at the time. Mm. And that is perfectly fine. That is, I think that's what your influences should be something that you're passionate about and you're into at that particular time that seems to make total sense to me yeah of course of course um i i I sort of went what is cyberpunk because as i was thinking about it i was like right now steampunk's another thing and cyberpunk and you hear punk being added to these things and you know like steampunk i'm always like what is that it's just people in goggles and leather trousers right like is that it steampunk is more more a throwback yeah of course to, to like but, victoriana kind of culture and stuff like that whereas cyberpunk i'd say is more throw forward i guess yeah i mean from what i can ascertain and i reckon you probably know more about this than me to be honest remfrey possibly but basically it's any sort of sci-fi thing based on some kind of dystopian future with a bunch of characters who are kind of marginalized outside of that authoritarian dystopian society from the future that's the crux of what the the ideology surrounding it sort of is is that right i think the only thing i I don't think that's inaccurate i think the only thing maybe you've missed there is the technology side of it as well because i feel like what you're describing there could just describe dystopian sci-fi i think the cyberpunk element comes into it when you bring an element of the computer or technology or some sort of like cyber enhancement you know to biology that kind of thing i think just to take what you said which isn't wrong but even but drill down even further and closer to what it is i think that element of technology I think has to be there. I'm going to go out on a limb and say has to be there. We'll probably get a couple of examples of cyberpunk where it isn't there now. But, you know, but I'd say for the most part, even Blade Runner, for example, has the replicant angle to it. You know, Yeah, so. well, I was sort of assuming that the replicant would be the, in, in that instance, would be yeah. the cyberpunk of Ye- that yeah, story. I'd say so. I, I mean, certainly it's the technological element that is another mm. tick in the box for making it as part of the cyberpunk subgenre. So they're like the kind of the hackers, the yeah. um, the hacktivists of yeah. the the story, not the band, no. obviously. <laughs> I mean, this, this album's not great, but it's not that bad. Um, uh, I like hacktivists. I don't know why I said that. I quite like them. Um, <laughs> anyway, Billy Idol was interested in that. Basically, he went and read. Apparently, he read uh, the uh, the the what was it called the neuromancer neuromancer yeah i want to get that one right um and started working on the new album with uh with trevor rabin do you know trevor rabin renfrey you familiar with trevor rabin uh i'm just trying to think if i was familiar with him before i've read quite a lot about him in the last day or two so i feel like i'm familiar with him but i'm not sure if i was prior to this no 
Well, basically, he's the guy who joined Yes for the album right. 90125. I didn't know any of this. Okay. So cool. Yes were uh, obviously a bit like Emerson, Lake and Palmer or whatever, like the big prog bands of the time. Or long, they, drawn out. Long prog. ass. Yeah. Yeah. And then come the early 80s, Trevor Raven joins, that album comes out. Owner of a Lonely Heart, which is obviously their big hit. The, the 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 pop song the kind of electro when yes go kind of electro, which is their biggest hit and it is their most commercially yeah. successful album um but a lot of people who like yes probably hate i know yeah. fucking hate yeah fucking okay hate him because okay. you know mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't go on for 19 minutes it's just the sound of somebody going on a moog um but anyway uh he he joined in and started helping billy idol with the creation of this record and Helped him to create a home studio when he got out of uh, when he got out of hospital. And he said when he got out of the ambulance. Then when he got out of the ambulance, you, you, you did get out of an ambulance. You nearly said helped him to create a home studio as well, but it came out as home <laughs> studio. Yeah, <laughs> but, because yeah. I was stupid. He helped him to create a home studio when he got out of hospital. <laughs> Back in the days when, as we've already touched on, that was a rather unusual thing to do. Very a rather unusual thing to have a studio in your house absolutely even for i mean i i would say only the richest of the rich would have done you know the beatles prince mccartney mccartney yeah mm-hmm. you know like the absolute richest of the rich would have been able to even afford anything like that or um but yeah michael jackson is, yeah um, or, or at least that's what he t- would tell 13 year old session <laughs> singers anyway <laughs> Uh, uh, um, rest in peace (laughs) um Um, yeah and i i I think um yeah i mean this is very very ahead of its time the whole home recording boom didn't really happen for at least another 10 years at minimum minimum definitely yeah for real and i mean you know i was saying that like liam howlett from the prodigy was creating music in his bedroom on his own around this time as well so i think there There were were pockets of of, it i I don't want to insinuate that like no one ever did it but um it did tend to come more from that electronic place certainly i mean certainly a lot of the innovations of that kind of thing have come through electronic music so they were the first to sign of kind of adopt that i guess this is billy idol moving towards that electronic aesthetic for the most part this is um mm-hmm. probably more electronica album than it is rock slash punk yeah. album isn't it absolutely um, but you know certainly there were very few people who had who were able to have access to those kind of facilities yeah for sure certainly the stuff that he was doing yeah. i mean liam howlett and something like your woman by white town which was another thing that was kind of created in a in a bedroom and was put out on a white label you know all they would have all been created on since very exactly kind of you know un, but this is trying to record guitars and pro tools and yeah. stuff which was, just didn't happen back then really and um so rabin gave billy idol some computers to make his music on and billy idol instructed his producer robin hancock and his guitarist mark younger smith to familiarize themselves with the mechanics of early pro tools to sort of start putting the record together uh, he was interviewed in the new york times in 1993 about this album billy idol and he said i better wake up and be part of it i'm sitting here a 1977 punk watching courtney love talk about punk watching nirvana talk about punk and this is my reply 
it's fighting talk in a sense. It is, isn't but, it? Yeah. But it's also showing a, a sense of self-awareness that I can not help but have respect for. Um, to be honest, he's going, look, I my heyday was 1977 and i need to stay relevant and i am looking around at what is happening i mean it's interesting that he cites nirvana in there because what he's doing on cyberpunk is not like nirvana at all (laughs) so that threw me a little bit because i was like well you're 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 not trying to be nirvana to be honest that's not what he's trying to say though he's just trying to say that he's trying to remain relevant um you know minor spoiler the choices that he made to try to remain relevant were maybe not the correct ones and i do mean that objectively Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think it's fair to say um but you know i think the fact i don't think he should be uh criticized for being aware of that and trying i I, in fact i think the total opposite i think he should absolutely be applauded for that that's fair play i do too and i think as well you know i mean it's fair to say this is this is some kind of concept album of sorts right apparently (laughs) fuck knows what the story is (laughs) not a fucking clue not a fucking clue it has the whiff of concept album album about it doesn't it it is it is it is all of the negative connotations that that phrase that descriptor has this album has i would say Yeah. yeah and but to be fair to him, he does he does and did do his best to kind of immerse himself in the cyberpunk subculture, which Absolutely. was kind of sprouting up at the time. He asked the journalist um, Gareth Bronwyn of Brown Brownwine, Bronwyn. Or, I reckon it's Bronwyn. Bron, yeah, if he could use expert uh, excerpts from his 1992 manifesto called "Is There a Cyberpunk Movement" on the album. And then he set up a bunch of cyber meetings to get an idea of how the album should be presented from people like Timothy Leary, who's the famous 1960s counterculture writer. It's the LSD. He did a lot of the yeah. tests around LSD in the 60s, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Timothy Leary popping up on this is a bit of a weird one, isn't it, really? Because I, it's not the first name that would have come to mind. Um, but, but, you know, not, no. fine. I don't know everything about Timothy Leary's career. so well, No, I don't either. He got the director of the film Lawnmower Man. Yes. Remember that film? Yes, I do. Lawnmower Man with Piers Brosnan. <laughs> yes. Sort of like tr- sort of Tron, but not even as good as Tron. It's. Do you know what? I, I Lawnmower Man is one of those films that I would actually love to see remade because Lawnmower Man, in my opinion, is a great idea for a film, badly executed. And for me, it's those films that should be remade ad nauseum, not the ones that worked in the first place. You want to take something that yeah. had a kernel of a great idea but didn't work out for whatever reason. I think there's numerous reasons why Lawnmower Man didn't work out. But it wasn't the idea and the concept and the story because no. it's fucking cool. It's a really good there's, idea. I can't remember if it was. There's a comedian that I used to see quite a bit and he was like, if you want to remake King Kong, then you have to remake the Spice, Spice World, the movie, well first. <laughs> That, that should be, be the rule. That should be the rule. I think that's a great shout. And yeah, Lawnmower Man could probably do with being either remade or just forgotten about. If yeah. you're young enough, you probably don't know what Lawnmower... The hype around Lawnmower Man was unbelievable back in the day. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, and It's really quite a bad film. It's just about a sort of simple bloke who mows somebody's lawn. 
and they work in computers and he sort of turns them into a computer or something is that what happens I, it, it was effectively um it was effectively a riff on flowers for algernon which is actually one of my favorite books of all time so it's basically just about a research scientist who was doing uh tests into intelligence on mice and you know he needed a human subject but you can't use a human subject blah 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 and he ends up using his gardener i think you know the lawnmower man who is quite a simple uh man in terms of you know his education and his uh intelligence uh, his natural intelligence and you know he basically becomes this supercomputer i guess is the way to put it so yeah it's kind of like a, a it's a cyberpunk update of flowers for algernon which is an mm. amazing book um yeah. You you don't need to watch that film, by the way. You don't. It, it, it sounds far more interesting than it actually is. It, it's it's an amazing accomplishment of the film, actually, that it manages to make that concept really boring. Um, mm. It's a it's a pretty bad film. Yeah. Really quite boring. Really yeah. quite boring. Um, and they made a sequel to it. They did, and nobody nobody watched. I've not seen it. I don't think anyone's seen it. No. Uh, yeah, rubbish film. But there were a lot of films like that around this time. So when there were a lot of kind of, I guess, a sort of cyberpunk films you've got like um not blade runner um demolition man would that be a cyberpunk film oh johnny mnemonic uh johnny mnemonic i think definitely would be cyberpunk. super mario brothers <laughs> <laughs> i think that might be i might not like it but it would stallone I... in judge dread oh god i i i think some of the I, I like demolition man and dread i'm not sure if they would be cyberpunk or not to be totally honest with you so demolition man is time travel isn't it which i kind of feel is a whole different subgenre. It's not time travel it's not time travel he's frozen they're frozen and then it goes into the oh, future I suppose and you're right wake, yeah they wake them up so that's not really time travel no, it's it just cryogenically freezing oh i don't know this fe- this feels like a debate that a i'm not equipped to be able to have and b mm-hmm. isn't really the point of the pub- podcast but no yes, it's not it's not fuck it. let's just cut to the ge- let's cut to the chase demolition <clears throat> man yes watch that Lawmower man no, do not watch yeah, that yeah. demolition man's great actually demolition man's fucking great. i'd love to see um, how it's held up probably not well but i yeah i think it has held up quite really? well. really when did you last see it i watched it about four years ago oh okay it was fair great. enough yeah i might really yeah. watch it then yeah it's really good yeah. and anyway oh he also got in touch with someone called mark fraulandfeiler who wrote for the technology blog boing boing fraulandfeiler suggested that billy idol set up a profile online in 1993, social media in 1990, Billy Idol doing the social media thing in 1993, yeah. uh, so that he could discuss the, gen- the genesis of the project with other nerds. I mean, um, hey. uh, sorry, <laughs> cyberpunk aficionados. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Yeah, 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 I mean, both of those, I'm sure, are accurate, to be honest, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he um, yeah he set up an actual kind of email address and gave it out to all these people who were into sort of cyberpunky things who were on the early 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 days of the interweb, and just were like you know what do you reckon what should we do what what do you reckon you know trying to work out how to you know become more tech savvy and get people's thoughts on what they thought the album should sort of represent. I really warmed to him because of this. Um, spoiler it didn't turn out particularly well but in terms of the initial idea he's throwing himself into it he's sort of admitting he's if not an amateur not an expert certainly because he's asking for help and he's giving 
people a platform to talk to him directly and contact him directly and communicate with him directly and it's not as i mean billy idol was relatively big in this time i was trying to think of another artist who would have been you know i think i think he would have been him and bowie would have been on a similar level at this point neither was at the nadir of their career but i reckon no. they would have both been around the same level in terms of uh how respected they they were in 1993 seems like a mad thing to say today but but maybe yeah uh, but but the only reason i say it is can you ima- imagine david bowie giving out his email address i'm not saying he wouldn't ever mm. have done it I mean, he would have been mad to early in his career and later in his career mid-career i like i just think it's a cool thing like it's a really cool yeah. thing to do it, it it backfired but it was a cool i think it was a really it, cool idea <laughs> it really did yeah. yeah um so billy Idol recorded the album at home on his mac in about 10 months using recording programs like Pro Tools, Opcode Systems and DigiDesign. The entire idea of recording in this manner appealed to the punk rocker in Billy Idol who believed that it was related to the DIY spirit and nature of uh, the early punk rock scene. And it's kind of hard to argue against that being the case, really, I would say. If it's punk rock for Liam Howlett, and it is, then I guess it's punk rock for Billy Idol as well, although I doubt Liam Howlett took 10 months Billy no. Idol probably like had someone next to him going, "You gotta write, double click the mouse." And he's like, "What? What's the matter? No, no. Left click. There's two different buttons. Don't write. No, don't right click it. What do you mean right click? You said I've got to click it right. You know, <laughs> don't right click it. Don't use the right click. All right, what do I do? Double click it. No, you're taking. Just do it really quick. Like click, 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 click. No, you got to do it. F- Oh, why has it not done it? Oh, I've deleted everything. Oh, I can't do it. Like, that's why it took 10 months, I reckon, because Billy Idol's like your nan trying to use an Instamatic camera in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> that has conjured some very funny images in my head. Um, yeah, I mean, he... Curling was- his lip as he's like... It's, it's not moving. The mouse isn't moving. You've not got it plugged in. Whoa. Just like, but you can't just switch it off. Just pulling the plug out. Oh, God. <laughs> when he said that quote, um, he was actually saying it as 10 months doesn't take all that. That's not all that much time for me because his previous records, mm. had there been an eight year gap between both of them or something like that. So, something but, like that. but I like how you've turned it uh, yeah. to be the complete opposite and made a very, very funny skit out of it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, so musically, this is very different sounding for Billy Idol. And when asked about the change in direction, he claimed that it was because technology had finally caught up with his ideas of what he wanted to do with his music. He said in the 70s and the 80s, this kind of technology was not available to him. Ergo, he couldn't use it. And that if he was possible, he always would have made music like this, which um, <laughs> wouldn't have... I don't think he would have been in The Wedding Singer if that had been the case. <laughs> it's just so funny because so much of this album sounds like the technology had been available for a good half a decade at the very least um i just i just don't think billy idol maybe was aware that it had been available for that long 
the other thing that's cool about this album is that it came with a fucking floppy disk that you could whack it whack in your PC. And it had, have you seen have you have you seen the screenshots of the stuff that that, that you got with it? I've seen a couple. Because I looked it up. Yeah, it it's like fucking road rash on the Sega Mega Drive. <laughs> it's like just lyrics and liner notes, and you're like, you could have literally put that in the booklet. Yeah. But no. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you a CD-ROM that most people most people didn't have a home computer back in 1993, or a lot, a lot of people wouldn't have done. Well, they wanted they're... they wanted to release it on CD-ROM, but they'd only do that if the album sold enough and was a, mm. enough of a success, and uh, it wasn't. I mean, if they had done that, it would have been the first time there'd ever been any kind of CD-ROM content. I think this was the first that... time this had happened as well, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, that did yeah. really take off, didn't it? In the 90s, towards the sort of second half of the 90s, that became became a massive thing even into the early 2000s when you'd, you'd get like dvds with your well um this your cds and stuff this is exactly it there was a huge period of time like obviously if you look at it from a very base simple level there were not many albums which came with a floppy disk drive well, not drive just a floppy disk but yes if you extend it to just changing the format of what it came on this became something that the music industry was, you know, using and abusing for like special editions with, you know, get the new Incubus album for nine ninety nine or get it with a special DVD with like videos and interviews and stuff for twelve ninety nine. You know, that was de rigueur for fifteen years or so yeah, after this was definitely. released. You know, we talk about Roadrunner all the time, like re releasing albums and releasing special editions of albums, and they really like leaned into that quite a lot. Um, around this period of time and 90% of them were shit <laughs> like most of them were rubbish and not even worth the plastic that they were on you did occasionally get some absolute belters though um the crack the sky dvd is like an hour and a half long making of documentary the... there's there's one there's there's one that comes with uh fucking hell which one is it is it beast by devil driver right which comes with a full two hour docu long documentary on devil driver's entire career now some of you might be listening going cool. well that sounds awful but actually no, it's that sounds really, really it's, interesting it's a really good documentary and it's got all footage from you know the very very early like desert even cold chamber up to then and you know people and, and it's really good it's a really comprehensive document documentary on that band that just wouldn't ever get made like why would anyone make a devil driver documentary today they wouldn't no but it was made because it was put on the special edition of that album i think we should also say as well that um if billy idol hadn't have done this then there's a good chance that some kind of monster would never have been made because some kind of <laughs> you just looked at me in a really weird way but the yeah, or, the cool. origins for the um footage that they were going to film for some kind of monster were to be uh a dvd extra for oh, yeah. St. anger hmm. so i mean some people might be like god damn billy idol but uh some kind of monster is one of my favorite films about any band ever so you know is good yeah. it is good yeah um so yeah you know that is that is very forward thinking that is whether you like it or really not this thinking. that is a groundbreaking forward thinking thing yeah. i mean ultimately what it looks like you get with that as a floppy disk is pretty shit to be honest but 
you know um there was a um, point there were a couple of things that i thought were quite interesting like there was an essay on cyberpunk culture and stuff like that which was written by one of the one of the like more professional contributors Mm. that billy idol had gone to and that did at least you know reinforce for me not that i had any qualms or, or issues with it but it reinforced for me that there was a genuine interest in the subculture and in this topic and it wasn't just something that he thought would be you know good on a whim good on a whim or, or sell lots yeah. of records or whatever you know i mean it looks shit but look hey fuck me do you want to play pong today of course you don't yeah exactly. pong looks shit yeah. But it was groundbreaking, so, yeah. you know, fair play to him. The first single released from the album was a cover of the Velvet Underground's Heroin that came out on the 4th of May, 1993, about a month or so before the release of the album. It kind of sets up what the album is, I guess. Now, we'll talk about the song and the cover itself in a minute. But the video is pretty interesting enough on its own. It's basically Billy Idol <laughs> walking around doing stuff with loads of acidy colours all over him. Walking about, looking in a mirror, proper like Utah Saints, the orb, early 90s, like rave video. And um, the interesting thing about this cover, one of the interesting things about it, I would say, is it takes the Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine line from the song Gloria by Patti Smith and just whacks it in there (laughs) for no reason, essentially. And... um, and when he does that line in the video, he holds his hands up and he's got stigmata. So um, huh. that happens. And then he starts carrying a big candle, which Jesus loves. Jesus <laughs> loved a candle, didn't he? <laughs> and at one point, there is actual CG computer-generated syringes flying across the screen. Oh, God. It's a bit on the nose. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a little bit. I mean, we'll get into how much on the nose... This album basically is sort of lives on a nose. But it's a bit on the nose that like, oh, heroin and Jesus. I'm Jesus. Look, I've got stigmata. Here's some syringes in pink acid colours yeah. flying across the screen. Yeah. It doesn't leave an awful lot of room for interpretation. It doesn't. No, no. that is true. I'm, I'm obviously I, I, I hadn't watched the video for it, but obviously I do have it on in the background <coughs> uh, at the moment uh, on silent. So if I have a seizure at any point, then um, do just continue the podcast without me. It's I fine. will. Yeah, I will. But the next single to be released, so two singles released before the album came out was Shock to the System released the week before the album came out on the 8th of June, reached number 30 on the UK singles chart, which is not amazing. But I'll tell you what is amazing, though the video (laughs) the video for this is fucking incredible incredible uh before we get into exactly what happens Renfrey can we just take a moment to appreciate Billy Idol's hair (laughs) sure sure yeah (laughs) what is that what is he doing with his hair it's like spiked cornrows it is it is he's always had like kind of spiky hair spiky bleach blonde hair yeah. but there's like literal actual literal spikes <laughs> gelled up like a fucking bed of nails on the top of his head yeah, yeah. but a bleach blonde a bed of nails for a small mouse yeah <laughs> i mean fucking amazing look no shirt just a jacket yeah spiky hair leather trousers big old cob piece 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what people liked in 1993, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not flannel. Get <laughs> yeah. flannel away from me. Looks like an extra from Masters of the Universe. It's just yeah. absolutely... Get, yeah. Get that flannel shirt and Rachel from Friends haircut away from me. I want no T-shirt, a jacket, leather trousers, and a fucking bed of nails haircut, please. Mm. Um, it's a look. It's definitely a look. It's a look. Now, we should say the song itself is inspired by the LA riots. We'll talk about that in a little bit so the video is set in a rioting downtown la billy sees some police beating a dude up in an alley and decides to film it on his camcorder again fuck me <laughs> on the fucking nose again like what and I, uh, and the police see him they start beating him up they smash his camera to pieces and as often happens when you smash a camera to pieces the camera's lens digs its way into Billy Idol's hand, goes up his arm, <laughs> and starts coming out of his eye. Yeah. Uh, In a really disturbing scene. Like, yeah. Oh, it's um, like the bit in Superman 3 when she turns into a oh, robot. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, there's something really unnerving about those kind of um, practical effects stop motion stop motion of, things yeah. yeah like like the last things they ended up doing for that kind of stuff before it went into computer graphics uh there's just something really i don't know if it's just a generation thing i don't know if that's like everyone feels that or if it's just because we sort of grew up on that stuff but man yeah. there's some, something i mean look in terms... i love them personally i think oh i think they're I great genuinely think it looks great like you get someone really good at them like tom savini and he's like, a genius and so yeah I don't think Tom Savini worked on this video, to be no, honest. No. He looks more like Max Headroom than he does. It, like. There's definitely Max Headroom vibes, my God. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, A for F. Can do your impression? Can do your impression? A for F for this video. It, I, I, like, in, in terms of, like, I have an idea uh, and we have no budget, but let's give it a go anyway. I'm like, yeah. well, play i mean you've you've given it a go uh it 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 really does look cheap it's really but it, it's cheap. weirdly like a cool video as well it's a weirdly cool yeah video. i mean i enjoyed watching it and I i'd did, watch yeah. it again you know i mean basically you should say some rioters come out of nowhere and the police start fighting them and the sort of half billy idol half camera cyborg thing gets up and then the rioters set fire to a police car and then suddenly they're behind a sort of fence and they're all trying to like escape as the police are there. And the police start shooting at Billy Idol, who at this point is basically a full-blown cyborg Terminator thing. thing. I mean, it's very Terminator, isn't it? Like, yeah. That's the clear influence, yeah. And he just takes the bullets because he's bloody hard. <laughs> and, and then he sort of shoots the fence down and all the rioters come out and they get free and they duff the police up. So very loosely that's the video it's not the best piece of satire i wouldn't say it's not no. the best piece of political commentary it's pretty pretty blatant what's going on here um cyborg billy idol is the savior of rodney king that's essentially <laughs> what they're saying here isn't it in this video now if i was billy idol and i if, if i was in the record if i was with billy idol's label boss and billy idol came to me and said i've made this album on my computer and it's all about cyberpunk and what i want to do the video for the first song is i want to show that i billy idol am a cyborg who saves la from saves rodney king 
if I was the label boss, I'd just go, no, absolutely not. No, you're mad. But Billy Idol's label said, yeah, that sounds like a really good <laughs> idea. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. And they, they gave someone enough money to do all that animation and stuff. And so they clearly thought it was a very good idea because even though it doesn't look good, I think at that time, it's interesting because they clearly any budget that they had they clearly put into the effects because the riot scenes that you talk about i mean i had to stifle a laugh as you were saying riot there because they appear to have hired four extras and to make riot <laughs> scenes <laughs> like first rule of making a riot scene hire like a hundred people i reckon minimum yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, but they obviously decide not to do that um Look, I mean, it is an amazing time capsule for that period of time. It is one of those things (laughs) that could only be made. It is. is. I I think if if they should get rid of all of the footage and all of the art and all of the things related to the LA riots, and they should go, in 100 years, 150 years now, people go, what were the LA riots like? People should go, have a look at this. (laughs) This is what it was like. Billy Idol's video where he turns into a camera. It's like the worst Transformer ever. I think there was a Transformer that turned into a camera, wasn't there? Something really lame. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Rubbish. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's uh, it's an incredible. I think if someone were looking to capture that period of time, I actually don't think it would be a bad thing to look at in terms of like mm. how do I capture the aesthetic of like I don't know, yes, nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety two, maybe. That's the thing. It's like it's still like a year behind by the time it comes out. It's like even even with this stuff, you're still behind. Maybe not as behind as the music, but you know, still. still yeah. Behind. So I can see why. I mean, it didn't chart in America, didn't do that well in the UK. People are already a bit like... Mm. I mean, the, um, the song itself is is just naff. It's just... Like, the video... It's interesting that we spent fucking ages talking about the video and literally no seconds whatsoever talking about the song itself. Well, because I'm it's... saving the song for when we go through the, the song. Fair enough. Track, it's very I'm boring. Gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say this right now, and, and time has agreed with me, it's comfortably the best song on the record by, oh right yeah um, well by uh, uh, and billy idol's greatest hits and it's the fact that it's the only song he's ever played live in the aftermath from of this, this album, album wow, out. wow so yeah. um well anyway there may be something to that but it is yeah. really boring <laughs> it, yeah. uh anyway uh before we get into the critical reception for it i just think we should mention the, the artwork <laughs> <laughs> if you can call it that and not just somebody with paint on their face falling into a trough, which is what it looks like. It looks like a computer's been sick. I mean, it's just unbelievable, it's this awful. album cover. It makes www.pitchshifter.com look like the dark side of the moon. <laughs> it's unbelievable, this artwork. Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, there were, like, look. There are some shit album covers that came out in the 90s. One thing about the 90s, I was at the, probably the worst time for album covers, the 90s. Because you had... Uh, maybe. Just because you had so many of those computer-generated... Mm. At least in the 80s, people were still using actual photos True. and making like commissioning actual people to actually paint stuff. And obviously, like that didn't completely go away in the 90s. But... So many kind of quote unquote 
high concept album art came out around that time they're like well we can do this on computer we can do this with computer graphics yeah i know you're right you're right and it and it has aged so badly and my god again pioneering work from billy idol one of the most poorly aged i mean this would have aged badly the the day before it came out wouldn't it it's just I, I can't imagine i mean i was eight in 1993 but i can't imagine looking at this and being like that's really cool at all no you know although every uh, kind of everything kind of looked like that in weirdly i know what fair. you mean but but a lot of the stuff that looked like that had a more kind of euro dance flavor to it didn't it yeah now there is a lot of euro dance on this record in in a sense but um i think the lot of people in the UK. This is going to sound really Brexit suddenly, but I think a lot of the people in the UK that like didn't really ever get that Eurodance kind of thing. There was always a sense that it was a bit cheesy and stuff like that. So whilst there was a lot of it around, it was kind of met with a raised eyebrow of cynicism by the British public in general. Yeah, saying so no, that, I mean, say. this is the same. This is the same year that Zeropa by U2 comes out. I mean, that won't be the last time that they come up to be honest when talking about this record mm. but you know that's not an album cover which is aged very well but not it's at still all. slightly slightly more like mm, okay than this which is dreadful oh the zeropa cover is better than than this cover absolutely neither is a good cover <laughs> but neither are good uh yeah. this is a but th- this is appalling it looks horrible it really does it is an awful 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 album cover it's up there with the black flag one in terms of just the worst album covers we've had what are the other we've spoken about a few that we're like god the album cover is terrible and this is a bad one i think this one is worse than the black flag one i to do to be honest i think it's yeah. worse yeah it is yeah it is worse although saying that at least this sounds like it looks or looks like it sounds like yeah. the Black Flag one doesn't. Looks like a fucking Blink-182 cover. True, but this is even more offensive to my eyes. I, I yeah, hate... I've, I've got it up in front of me and I, I hate looking at it. I don't it's like horrible. looking at it. It's awful. No, it's rubbish. Um, anyway, let's get into the reviews of the album. The Rolling Stone give it two stars, saying, A science fiction trip with Billy Idol? Get real. The guy's saving grace has always been an over-the-top cartoon looniness coupled with at least one sure-shot single per album. Sadly, outing number six comes up short on both Sly Winks and Top 40 Bound Hooks. On Cyberpunk, this strutting video age stud plugs into the computer nirvana circuit and gets fried. Uh, I can't find many reviews from the time, but the enemy gave it four out of ten um don't have that review spins alternative record guide gave it one out of ten all music has given it one out of ten entertainment weekly gave it a b plus saying this is old-fashioned glam pop as dumb and occasionally glorious as it gets are you sure they got sent the right album glam pop <sighs> well I, I mean at least they said it was old old-fashioned fashioned. Yeah. well it is old-fashioned <laughs> i mean from five years before yeah yeah uh we should go to our good old friend robert chrisagoo who you would think <laughs> as a man who couldn't be bothered to write a single word of about around the fur by deftones <laughs> you'd think he would you know just bin this off completely he actually gave it a c minus um <laughs> he wrote an essay on it as well for him anyway <laughs> yeah i mean again like prepare to not know what he thinks of it prepare to not in, have but... a fucking clue what he's talking about yeah 
if Idol's interest in William Gibson's uncopyrightable neo me, neologism was originally piqued by the dollar signs appear in front of his eyes whenever he encounters the magic rune P-U-N-K, well, the fate of any good idea is that sooner or later it touches people with no deep connection to it, like Punk itself and the former William Broad, for instance. Not that Ida would think of offending this new generation he's read about. So Adam in Chains, which after a long spoken intro devolves into what a vulgarian might take for his latest love gone bad rant, is in fact a prayer for the tomorrow people and power junkies. And the deathless suck on my love meat is intended as a critique, not a celebration. Sexist are Billy, how cyber would that be? I don't know what you think about any of that. I haven't got a clue what he's talking about i don't i i don't know if he likes it if he doesn't like it i'm guessing from the c c plus c minus c plus c minus from the c okay from the c minus that he's not massively into it he Just seems to yeah, yeah he seems that's sort of problem with it but i don't know what it is uh yeah yeah that's like if you made me a sandwich and went is your sandwich all right and i went there's something about the shape of plates that always fills me with existentialist dread Renfrew <laughs> this sandwich could be cardboard it could be synthetic in many ways but if I was really to consider the altruistic nature of the combination of cheese bread and butter I'd find it that maybe I should go knocking on someone else's door <laughs> and you'd go what <laughs> do you like a fucking you sandwich like fucking sandwich you, or not fucking sandwich you cunt that that is the most that is the most nail on head representation of a robert christie review that we've ever done and we've tried many times but that is that is it that is it yeah i just think i know normally we try by sort of actually thinking of what we're going to say beforehand (laughs) whereas then i just went uh, funny that ducks and cabbage make feelings (laughs) non sequiturs don't they it's <laughs> non sequiturs like what anyway in 1999 the AV Club named it the least essential concept album of the 90s and fuck me there's some competition there <laughs> I would imagine, <laughs> really I would imagine there is some competition there Q Magazine named it as the fifth worst album of all time in its list in 2006 of the worst album ever. It reached number 20 on the UK album charts and number 48 on the US Billboard Top 200. Its best charting position was in Finland and Austria, where it reached number five. Good for you guys, fine. But (laughs) that's not all that we have to look at when we're looking at the critical reception to this record. Because we have never before looked at the critical reception of a record outside of music and into a completely different realm here on broken records or maybe maybe anything but we do have to do that here because what did the cyberpunk community think of this record that was meant to define the sound the aesthetic that they held so dear to their hearts well not a lot to be perfectly honest Renfrey. not a lot at all um is billy idol the first ever man to be accused of cultural appropriation (laughs) is billy idol the godfather of cultural appropriation because that's essentially what this is right yeah to fill in a few blanks it's basically a large part of the cyberpunk subculture community um 
tried to insinuate that Billy Idol didn't have a fucking clue what he was talking about, basically, and and um, therefore couldn't respect the ideas that had been put forth by cyberpunk. I mean, I, I thought he had a he actually had a really good response to those critics in defending himself from what he believed was the elitism of his online critics idol admitted that he was still learning about computers but compared it to the early punk ethic of simply trying your best as a musician even if you had difficulty he also pointed out that william gibson was computer illiterate when he wrote neuromancer Uh, i don't know much about computers but i have the desire to learn and i have a computer and a modem so i go for it banging my head sometimes but continuing on you know mm. there's kind of an admittance there that he's interested in this stuff but he isn't an expert on it i think that is like i thought that was a really like good answer to those questions. it was because essentially he was the email that he'd set up the the profile that he'd set up yeah uh in this community was spammed to shit yes. by the cyberpunk community who thought he was a tech illiterate poser um and they believe his interest in scene was purely to make himself seem kind of cool and edgy and cool forward-thinking. or zeitgeisty or whatever whatever they thought i mean yeah yeah they kind of took umbrage to the fact that the album was even called cyberpunk and they believed that he had no right to kind of claim an entire underground cultural movement that he'd never been part of before mm-hmm. as his own um so yes the first man to be cancelled online Due to cultural appropriation, another first, Renfrey. Billy Idol, the first ever man to be cancelled. It is very... We get John Ronson. We get fucking let John Ronson know about this. <laughs> Actually, have you been publicly shamed? Well, Billy Idol has. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it is kind of mad, the amount of firsts with this record in, in that sense. I mean, I don't know. I wonder if there is a cultural appropriation. I suppose, do you know what? We have talked about Paul Simon and Graceland, actually. Um, So, you know, I suppose there are other, but, you know, it's certainly, I think it's really disheartening. As I was saying before, I thought the idea of Billy Idol giving his email out and, or, or, you know, setting up an email account that people could email him to and setting up a direct line of communication was a really cool idea, I thought. And it seems a shame. I think we probably should say, you know, I'm led to believe that there were plenty of emails that were genuinely encouraging and were genuinely using the service for what it should have been. But mm. I also believe he was spammed to, to fuck Uri um, as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. In the same way as he was savaged by the real punks for his, 80, his 80s output as well. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, pretty much. Um, you know, uh, there is a, 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 a I guess a what they call it, a, a blog online or a, a, a piece online that someone called Mark Derry wrote called Escape Velocity Cyberculture at the End of the Century. Um, and uh, which is kind of a comment on the cyberpunk culture and how it got went went mainstream. And he saw Billy Idol was representing the kind of worst of you know, the, the kind of maybe the, the one of the first nails into the coffin of cyberpunk as a movement, um, saying it was a bald faced appropriation of every cyberpunk cliche that wasn't nailed down. Uh, there's also a writer called Jack Bolware, and in 1995, he um, wrote in a, a magazine called Mondo 2000, When Did Cyberpunk Die? 1993, and the release of the Billy Idol, uh, Billy, Billy Eilish, the Billy Idol record. Um, Uh, In a section on cyberpunk music on a website called The Cyberpunk Project, 
It says the usual opinion is that Billy Idol's album is just a commercialization and has nothing to do with cyberpunk. In the frequently asked questions of the website alt.cyberpunk, uh, it rejects the notion that cyberpunk is a fashion and of Billy Idol's attempts to base his fashion and music on it. It's saying, no matter how sincere his intentions might have been, scorn and charges of commercialization have been heaped upon him on this and other forums. Even one of his big influences for the record, uh, William Gibson, who wrote the Neuromancer, gave Billy Idol a little bit of shit, saying that he didn't approve of the way the term cyberpunk was being commercialized and sort of appropriated by popular culture, and that he had turned... Uh, Billy Idol would help turn it into something very silly. Um, he said that the movement was something of a joke, as wonderfully demonstrated not too long ago by Billy Idol's cyberpunk album. Um, he also said that rather than when kind of pushed on that, he said it was less about the fact that he was kind of pouring scorn on Billy Idol, more that he was kind of bemused by the entire thing and didn't really want to have any kind of judgment on the album particularly uh but he said i just don't what i just don't get what he's on about i don't see the connection i had lunch with billy years ago in hollywood i thought he's a very likable guy he had a sense of humor about what he was doing that is not apparent in the product that he puts out if i run into him again we can have a good laugh about what he's doing now yeah i don't think william gibson was like um genuinely upset or annoyed like i mean he no. kind of said that he was more amused by it um but yeah there wasn't like uh you know there wasn't like a rift or anything like that i don't think no no i don't think so um there's also a left-wing libertarian academic called sean p wilbur who critiqued the concept of the cyberpunk movement um and uh he directly investigated the criticism of Billy Idol on alt.cyberpunk and he dubbed the reactions the Panic of 93, um, concluding with uh, alt.cyberpunk is both a warning and a promise. It suggests the power of ideas. It suggests the power of ideas to draw people together even when they quite aren't quite sure what those ideas are. And that sort of sounds like this album, really. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know... I've got a load of ideas, but I don't really know what my ideas actually are. Yeah. That might be the best review of this album that anyone could possibly make, you know? It's the best summation of it, certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um, but that's what the cyberpunk community thought of this album. I'm going to ask you, Renfrey, what do you think of Cyberpunk by Billy Idol? <laughs> I think the album itself... Um, is the least interesting thing about the entire story about the entire you know we've been we've spent 75 minutes on this and I think everything we kind of have a bit of a um, bit of a task on our hands to make this part interesting because I just don't think there's an awful lot that is particularly interesting about this record it sounds like a album that should have been made five years previously in 1988 sounds like a lot of records around that time and a lot of people had this kind of idea and put a lot of the you know even Vangelis going back to 1980 in the Blade Runner soundtrack you know there's a lot of that sort of thing in there I mean, th- this is not that, though, right? Oh, this God. This is not fucking Vangelis by Do any not get like, me wrong. Quality-wise, yeah. absolutely not. But I-, I think a lot of the uh, broad strokes are taken from the same influences, quite possibly. Um, there is maybe a quarter of the record does have this uh, strange Clubland remix-type feel to it as well, which would have been 
very zeitgeisty at the time. I think I think that's the only thing on the record that th- th- those moments on it. And as, as I say, it's about a quarter of the record. I would say make up the only moments where I could go, okay, well that sounds very nineties to me. I think unfortunately for Billy Idol, that particular sound became out of date within a year or two i would say certainly by the mid 90s that club lounge remix beat i mean i guess it did you know evolve into the ibiza movement and stuff like that but there was quite a lot of progression made from the early 90s to the mid and late 90s in that stuff so you could very much put it in a box by you know the way it was produced and stuff so this album would have sounded ancient by 1995 in my opinion which is a shame because you know the album's meant to be about technological advances and looking to the future and yada 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 um it's very long it's uh oh my god it's so oh it's so long 71 minutes is it Mm -hmm. it's it's long it's it's and i i i didn't i don't hate this record at all I don't hate it. There are things, and I don't even think the majority of it is that embarrassing. It feels very out of time, but I think so much of it. So I've lost practic- very little, if any, respect for Billy Idol whatsoever. I think just down to the fact that he seemed so willing to try new things, and as a result of trying those new things, whilst a lot of them have changed inconceivably from when he initially tried them in 1993 they are still things that we do today so i've actually come out of this whilst i don't think it's a good record having an awful lot of respect for him um but the album itself is just very tedious and quite long and quite dull i was willing it to end a good 20 minutes before it did i think that's even being a bit kind probably more like 30 um yes yeah I mean, there are things there I agree with. There are things there that I think we can expand on a little bit. Okay. First thing I'm going to say, Pop Will Eat Itself, The Shaman, all those bands that came along in the early part of the 90s who reached a kind of critical mass around 91 into 92. We've spoken about Carter, Carter previously as well. Yeah. And for me, I'm not sure how familiar Billy Idol was with that movement because he lived in LA right so was Billy Idol listening to Pop Will Eat Itself uh, who fucking knows maybe he'd only just discovered them I don't mm, know mm. but when I listen to a song like Tomorrow's People which can, kind of goes for a mm. dance rock thing um, it's kind of really too in early to see I think t- to claim the influence of something like Nine Inch Nails or Ministry mm. would be absurd yeah, on this record because okay. even though it's a dance rock thing you know um, it's not industrial it's not industrial, no. And you get that opening where he does the kind of, there's that kind of Kyle Reese spoken words <laughs> opening bit, which is just like, oh, yeah. here we go. It's the future, guys. It's the future. And then Thankfully, you get... that spoken narration, I suspected it would come in and out like constantly. Thankfully, it only yeah. happens a couple of times in the record, which yeah. is a bit of a saving grace, but yeah. And the opening track, Wasteland, with the no religion, no religion at all. It sounds, you know, I'm out of the wasteland, so far from the dead man. And it just sounds, it sounds really, really dated. Like you say, not dated to 1993, dated to 1983. Like it's really, really fucking dated. And there are a lot of fucking interludes on this record. And I don't know what any of them really do. Um, Serve little to no purpose whatsoever is what they do. Yeah. yeah, and then Shock the System comes in 
and it sounds like kind of Republica, but with a sort of gnarly old man on vocals. <laughs> now, for me, <laughs> Shock to the System is the best song on the record because it sounds a bit like Billy Idol, right? It's the one, it's got a bit of a guitar riff on it. It's got the, it's got kind of punk, well, not even punk, but kind of like hard rock backing vocals. Yeah. It's a bit more of a kind of fast paced but it sounds like it's it's using computers and there is like weird electronic stuff going on but it's more like billy idol it's not a club banger it's a rock club banger if it's a banger at all i mean it's probably not but like you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i do i do it's it's the it's the link between billy idol's old uh, material and what he was doing on cyberpunk and quite often you know it was released as the first single and mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting necessarily that these songs are written expressly for that purpose, but although actually I think sometimes they probably are. They're, pro- they're probably yeah. going, okay, this is really interesting what you're doing here, but it's going to be really in- alienating to your fans. So you need to write a song which reminds people of the old stuff, but also links to what you're doing now. And that's what Shock to the System sounds like to me, which and- I think is saying what you were saying, but just in, like from a slightly different perspective, basically. But yeah. Yeah, and we've already touched on the problem with this song, really, within the video, I think, which is the fact that there was a different set of lyrics until the LA riots happened, and Billy Idol decided to change the lyrics to make the song about the LA riots. And it's going, oh, the, you know, it was a fun night in LA. It's like, no, it wasn't. Yeah. No, it wasn't, mate. It was, it was like, you know, you, this is a catchy little ditty. But it's not April 29th, 1992 by Sublime. No. Which, like, really brutally kind of goes, this was, this is what we think the LA riots was about. We had Rage Against the Machine and NWA by this point. It sounds like classic Billy Idol, and I quite like it, but it is a stupid thing for Billy Idol to write a song about and it's, make it sound like that. Really fucking stupid. It's interesting that he was geographically so much closer to those events. You know, I... I 100% believe the story that he was in the studio and the riots began and they were happening and he opened the window and he could see people rioting but that doesn't actually just because you were there you can still be quite like very very far removed from the situation i remember yeah. when the london riots happened there was quite a lot of, you know it broadened out to all sorts of areas of london and there was quite a lot of stuff going on in peckham and at the time, I lived uh, literally a mile walk from the centre of Peckham and went out onto our road and it didn't feel like anything was different. But then we'd go in and watch the news footage of stuff that's happening literally a mile down the road. And there's literally buildings on fire and people breaking into stores and stealing stuff and all this kind of thing. So, yeah, just because you're very, very close to something, like geographically close to the action, it doesn't actually necessarily mean that you have anything to say on it necessarily no well i mean i could when during that riot i could hear people i was living in fulham at the time right and around clapham junction if you remember they were that the they smashed a shit out of clapham junction yeah i could hear that i could hear that from my flat in fulham right now that doesn't mean you could write a song about those riots and it'd be any good i wasn't part of that those (laughs) riots at all like in, in any way i wasn't part of the culture of why it happened i wasn't part of the you can be from a place you know you're not necessarily part of that scene or part of that culture or part of that group of people and billy idol 
is and is definitely not part of downtown LA musically no. in any way. And no. like, like, bless him, but you know, no, no. yeah, it's no. Uh, we've already mentioned the other song. Ad- Let's talk about Adam and Chains, which starts like a new age meditation CD. It's rubbish. Drift away from your mind down to peace and contentment, down to the happiness you deserve. This was a single. I know. Right? Again. No. What possessed them to release this as a song? This is fucking six and a half minutes long. It's two minutes and 56 seconds before Billy Idol even comes in. <laughs> it's like a shit version of The Beloved. It is rubbish, it's, this it's, song. It's as if they had... It's like Enigma. It's like Enya or some shit. What the fuck? It's like they'd asked me to choose the next single. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll get... I'll it is, the, yeah. The, the most difficult... Even you would listen to this and go, can't have this as a oh, single. This is... Even I am smart enough to realise this is insane material for a single. It doesn't really have much of a tune or much of a hook. Um, I was playing it uh, as you were making a cup of tea earlier, mm. and you remarked that it sounded like elevator music, which had me in absolute stitches. So like, it's it like was... being on hold with a fucking insurance company. I'm so sorry. That's it. That is what you said, which is even more accurate. I mean, both of those things are accurate to a degree, but you know, like that is what it sounds like. It is a very authentic representation of the hold music that you would hear whilst being on the phone to an insurance company five stars you know like i mean and it's that for six and a half is it six and a half seven minutes it goes six and a half minutes oh my god it's so long it's just it's it's just boring it'd be a lovely interlude if it were a minute fine no problem with it at all but the fact that so much is invested into it in that they give it seven odd minutes they did a video and they did a video have you what seen the, the video? He's no. got he's he's dreaded his hair for the oh video now. He's got dreads and he's lying in a swimming pool. Well, he's you he's know, in a like, appropriation. Oh my you know, he's, God, he's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I actually think I think uh, um, Neuromancer's better again. The title <laughs> and lyrics, little bit on the nose, the standing <laughs> yeah. on the nose again. Yeah. Power Junkie's quite funny. I'm a crazy man. I'm a shake up the world. I'm a bad man. I'm going crazy. <laughs> think he says he's going crazy cool again really dated sounds like d-ream with the fucking tasmanian devil from the warner bros cartoons on vocals it's the most unconvinced i have ever been about a man singing in a song that they're going crazy that yeah. they're actually going crazy and you know i included I, ozzy osbourne in that and all that shit it was just the it, least crazy sounding thing i'd ever heard. it rem- it reminds me of when that is so uncrazy. You know, people are like, oh, I'm mad. I am. Yes, exactly. Like, yes, I, exactly. Exactly. I, I, when I was like years and years ago, uh, when I sort of first moved up to London, I tempt at the um, Museum of London for a little right. bit, right? Yeah. And they were boring. The people who worked there, they were so boring. And somebody, there was a girl on reception, and they said to me like, oh, you know, they were, they're like, well, basically you have to like hand people out like the for, like you, you swap around right you go in the cloakroom there go on reception there go but when you come in like basically just like greet people and hand them a fucking like a, a pamphlet of what's in the museum mm-hmm. right? like a map and that's what i had to do 
And as I was going to, like, the more, there was a girl behind reception and she went, she said something. I can't remember what she said at all. But she, but I just sort of looked at her because it wasn't very funny. And she went, oh, he's not got me. Oh, he's not got my mad sense of humour. I'm a bit, don't worry, you'll get used to me. I'm a little bit mad. I'm a bit of a nutter. I and I was type. just like, right, yeah. okay. And then at one point, I was handing out these flyers and stuff. I was handing out these maps and they were sort of, you know, about a couple of, like, 10 foot behind me. And I turned around and sort of walked three paces back to be like, oh, by the way, and she went, I'm sorry, no, no, you have to stand there, you have to stand there. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're mad you are, aren't you? Look how mad you are. Look how mad you are. Don't let her, I'm mad, but don't walk three steps away from your position. Like, we're nutters. She was going, oh, we're absolute nutters here. We're crazy. We're crazy. But obviously, you do have to stand perfectly still by the door of the museum because if you weren't to do that, that would be really bad protocol and it's like you're not mad are you you're not mad at all you're fucking dull you're the dullest fuck that's ever lived mad it is like one of the first rules of life if i were to ever teach any children or offspring i were to have i think one of the first rules would be if someone says that they're mad they're not no they're really boring they're really really boring like trying hard to be mad just awful um love labors on is the sort of same thing nothing really but i want to get to what for my money is the worst moment on the record which is the aforementioned cover of the velvet underground's heroine now i've said before on various podcasts i'm not a massive fan of the velvet underground i find them quite hard to get into but i am aware obviously of their importance their impact how hard a band they were to categorize the kind of walls that they broke down within music and how subversive they were to the culture at that time this song in their hands is is hard work it's dark and it's chilling and it's bizarre and it makes me feel funny and i I don't really know how i feel about it Billy Idol turns it into a fucking pop ecstasy anthem. It sounds like fucking Baby D in Billy Idol's Harrington's song. Now, I, I like, you've mentioned that Europop stuff. I like that stuff. I probably like it more than I like the Velvet Underground, to be perfectly honest. But this song should not sound like that. This song should not sound like that. This would be like somebody covering all along the Watchtower in the vein of the Macarena. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it is almost offensive that it strips that song completely of any of its original meaning and purpose. It's literally one of the worst covers I think I've ever heard. It's terrible. Um, Very much Devil's Advocate, because I do agree with you. But, you know, we have said on the past, uh, in the past that, like, changing songs and changing the intention behind them and stuff like that, like, usually the most interesting covers, certainly, are the ones where it totally changes it. I have to say it was a good four minutes into the 6 minute 58 version of Heroin on this record, where I even, re- where I even went, oh, it's the Velvet Underground. <laughs> like, I didn't even realise. But, my God, I was bored out of my fucking mind by that point, And I'd actually gone to the um whatever i was listening to it on um to see how much was left of the song and i saw heroin and i was like oh right like the velvet underground song oh wait a minute uh so you know from the point of view like, i mean it's different <laughs> i'll give them that it's very different um i think it turns what should be a very dark difficult song into something which is incredibly furniture which is almost like the worst yeah, thing you worst. can do with it's- it as bad as Rolf Harris covering Rape Me by Nirvana. 
that's where I would place this cover. Yeah. In terms of, you shouldn't have done that. Mm. You shouldn't have done that. It's the only thing Rolf Harris shouldn't have done. Yeah. You, <laughs> a sexual abuser, should not have covered a song about sexual abuse on a didgeridoo whilst grinning. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's sort of how I feel about this. You, Billy Idol, a plastic punk, should not have done a happy, hardcore, <laughs> smiley, cuddly, ecstasy, anthem, upbeat, high-energy version of a song that is meant to capture the dread, fear, and trauma of being addicted to heroin. There is definitely a feeling that Billy Idol's been fed the wrong drugs for this song, isn't there? It's like someone, oh no, someone put uh, ecstasy in his tea rather than heroin. I mean, you don't you don't put heroin in tea. <laughs> no, don't but, put heroin in tea. Don't put heroin in tea. Uh, it's it's really bad. Yeah, it's, it's 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 definitely one of the weakest moments on the record. You think it's the absolute? Uh, I think it's idea. the worst. I think it's the worst. I think it's just. I think it's. I, I I can't square this. I mean, is it literally the worst piece of music on the record? Probably not. But because of what it is, and because of what they do to it, I think it's it's just such a bad cover. And it's, it is terrible. It's <clears throat> and it's six minutes and fifty seven seconds long. And then there's an interlude, and there's a seven minute twenty four song yeah. called Shangri La yeah. that comes straight after it, Cooler which shaker. is a load of fucking yeah hippie <laughs> new age noise crap. It sounds like that. Um, return to it. Do you remember that song? The return to innocence. Do you remember that song? <laughs> no, but Fucking I was enjoying you doing it. Rubbish, <laughs> rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. And Billy trying to sound really deep and like, oh yeah, man, I'm, oh we can just free our minds. Oh fuck off. For for a counterpoint, I actually quite enjoyed the music. Until Billy Idol came in and started whispering New Age wisdom into my ear, and I was less Terrible. less interested then. Um, and Concrete Kingdom starts with panpipes, and I'm like, well, this yeah. has to end. Yeah, fuck off. Has to end. This has fuck to end off. soon. Uh, and then, to be fair to this record, I think like Venus, um, which is not a cover of uh, whoever did it before, Banana Rama. Um, uh, it's kind of enjoyable. I don't think it would get on the Naomi Campbell album, but I didn't mind it. Um, <laughs> Then the night comes is quite good, and it's again it sounds like a Billy Idol song, but with a load of sort of synthy electro stuff. And I was like, I could kind of get on board with this shit if it was this throughout it. But then there's a bit where he says, "Here she comes, oh why so horny?" Oh. It does feel a little bit out of place with the lyrics on this. Just a sort of shagging song, just whack a, a shagging bit. song, just we'll whack a shag. This is a concept album, but we will whack a shagging song in there as well. <laughs> Um, and I think I was so comatose by this point in the album. I, I mean, I didn't have any notes for the last four songs. So, okay. Uh. Well, <laughs> Mother Dawn, the last song, is like a proper fucking high energy dance banger, which sounds like rave culture being bastardized, which, to be fair, <laughs> that's what this is. You get a kind of big, booming female vocal. And weirdly, that is far better than. It's not even weird, actually. That is far better than when Billy Idol comes along. Um, it's so fucking long, well over an hour. 20 tracks. Oh. Yeah, tw- I, I got a bit confused. With I mean, on, on Spotify, they put the interludes as part of the um, 
as part of the songs so it's 13 yeah. songs 20 tracks uh yeah 70, 70 odd minutes it, it it's mm. it is it's an endurance it, we, we haven't had a broken record for a while which has felt like an endurance um but this one really was quite yeah quite difficult so i do want to i do want to say one thing as a, in a, in a little bit of the defense of, the, of this album renfrey mm-hmm. and it's this is that really at this point in the 90s during alternative rock and rave culture and grebo and you know swing and gangster rap and all this stuff coming up no matter what a big artist from the 80s did chances are particularly if they were trying to kind of lean in on new recording techniques and make themselves sound relevant. danceable and blow or relevant and all that stuff if you're an artist from the 80s and you were doing that you were doomed to fail it's almost impossible wasn't it because of the culture and because of the way that things were kind of impossible in any circumstances for you to kind of break through and be successful with that do you agree with that uh, um, undoubtedly there were oh, okay. uh, so many bands tried to make that change and make that leap from the 80s to the 90s just to make it really really broad um and failed abysmally you know mm. funny isn't it just proves how good acting baby is really isn't it? <laughs> just proves that that this is why oh, isn't it go. this is why they made the you two made the best album of their career by doing exactly this thing and got even bigger from doing it. And everyone else fucked up. <laughs> you two thrived in that situation. For an album or two, yeah. Two albums they did, yeah. Well, they still did. Uh, hey, look. I'm just reporting the facts, okay? You said it yourself. It would be impossible. You're right, it would be. But you'd have to be... You'd have to be Don't like say impossible. I mean, th- th- I think there are very few artists who have done mm-hmm. it. I think you 2 is one of them, definitely. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to be like the best band ever to be able to do that. Anyway, um, we will rank it in a minute. <laughs> imagine doing imagine doing this album, but basically, but doing it with good songs. That's basically all you had to do. Right? I mean, I, the acting baby comparisons had not come up in my mind at all. I have to say, um, but now that you said it, like, I mean, yeah, there there are parallels, uh, and and mm. you know. This is objectively worse than Acton Baby, <laughs> but you know, I think anyone yeah, right. you put it in front of, if they chose Cyberpunk over Acton Baby, I wouldn't trust them. Just showing off, aren't you? Just showing off. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing that. Anyway, I don't remember this album at all. I mean, I would have been very, very deeply involved with looking at the charts and what's going on in music at this time and not a fucking clue. I don't remember this at all. No, and I think right. Billy Idol pretty much sort of vanished off the face of the earth for a while after this. He went on the No Religion tour in 1993, which is like a sort of, um, you know, little version of Zoo TV from what I can see <laughs> on um, on the, the pictures that I've seen. And then he did just sort of vanish. I think he did do a song for the Speed original soundtrack in 1994. And of course, as I've already sort of mentioned, he cemented his place in the history of popular culture forever by appearing in the Adam Sandler smash hit movie, The Wedding Singer, which he's very good in. And um, they can't take that away from Billy Idol, can they? Whatever they say, they can't take The Wedding Singer away from him. He was in The Wedding Singer. What have you ever done? Nothing. So shut up. And uh, in 2001, um, sorry, in 2000, he was on the song Into the Night on the Tony Iommi album, Iommi, 
one of many guest vocalists. Yeah. Don't really don't really remember that myself. I was listening to the I Am Me album just the other day. I'm actually putting my copy of it right up. How funny. Yeah, how weird. Um it's not the most memorable song on the record because I don't Oh, it's the last song on the record. Um but yes, he 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 was on this record. It's the yeah, uh, Into the Night mm. featuring Billy Idol. There we go. Yeah. And in two th- is it a good song? I don't remember it. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Yeah, and I was literally listening day. to it. Okay, I mean, well, maybe, I a a maybe a week yeah, ago. Maybe a week ago. But I don't oh, yeah. remember most of the stuff on this album. And I listened to this album yesterday. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great album. Uh, in 2001, they released a greatest hit set of Billy Idol's hits. And Shock the System, as I mentioned, was the only song from this album on that collection. VH1 did a behind the music and a storytellers show with him and thus began the rehabilitation back into the Billy Idol that people loved from the 80s. And as the noughties progressed, as we have discussed many, many times in many, many podcasts over the years, more people began to hark back to the classic sound of classic rock and look at the 80s and go, what a great time the 80s. I've got those great hits from the 80s, blah, blah, blah. I love the 80s. So Billy Idol became far more fondly remembered than he was in 1993, where he looked like a little bit of a relic, culminating in his 2005 comeback album, Devil's Playground, and a couple of incredibly well-received slots at the Download Festival, I say a couple, it's three actually, 2005, 2010 and 2015. He played the Download Festival and was rapturously, rapturously received on every occasion. He's released two albums and an EP of new material since then. None of them sound like cyberpunk, you'll be surprised to learn. <laughs> in fact, in 2010, just before a tour, he was asked if he would be performing any of the material from this record on those shows, and he categorically stated that he would not be doing that, claiming that he would be focusing on more guitar-driven material and that he didn't have the keyboards and the synths in place in his touring band to be able to accurately recreate the music from cyberpunk. Um, although, as I've said, over the years, he has occasionally played Shock the System live a few times as well. So overall, you know, Billy Idol, he's back. He was doing his thing. People like him now. This album's kind of been forgotten about, really. It's. I, I think it's had absolutely no effect on his legacy whatsoever. No, 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 no. And I, but what I was about to say was, it's kind of it's had it's had no effect at all on his legacy and his career. But weirdly, quite a big effect on the music industry at large which is an interesting thing right it's definitely the first time it's ever come up on on broken records certainly and actually as i sort of alluded to before it's usually the sort of thing that we cover on classic albums um uh kind of territory if at all because very few albums have done that so it's um i mean hard to rank well i was about to say i knew it was inevitable but i will say that doing the research for this album haven't had a clue where to put it and even talking about it for the last 105 minutes according to my counter still have none the wiser as to where the fuck we put it well one album really stands out on this list for me in comparison with this just in terms of the creation of the record and the intention of the record okay now i don't think we can really put it near this record because some of the stuff above it is far better but Metal Machine Music by Lou Reed is quite is very high in mm-hmm. our chart, right? And the 65. reason it's very high, yeah, out of seventy, the reason it's high is because it's it it does what it's set out to do, isn't it? Does what it's 
it does what it's out to do and kind of invented an entire new language within music which billy idol the difference here is did not achieve the thing that he set out to do but kind of inadvertently predicted the certain things within the music industry which are now commonplace right there's that term blue sky research which is um trying to put funding into things where you don't know exactly what the outcome is going to be but you think it will be um, productive for you know human beings and human society and uh, as you can imagine it's often very difficult to get funding for that kind of research and it's almost as if billy idol um set himself up to try and do one thing and through trying to explore that managed to be somehow the pioneer for a bunch of other things that ended up happening Mm. which people still do today and would someone else have done those things if he hadn't i imagine yes <laughs> i imagine yes they probably you would say that done. about everything though can't you but you, you can, can say it, that about but, but a, everything you could yeah. say that about everything and b he did so much and, yeah. and 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 i don't believe that any of it was intentioned uh, intentional at all um but i think there's a strong you know there's a strong argument to say that this album due to the way that it was recorded is the most influential album of his entire career it just happens Possibly. to be that it's not in a musical a bit sense. like little wayne last week, right? <laughs> yeah yeah it's just in a technical sense rather than a musical sense but mm. i i think i think so, it would be wrong of us to discount that stuff yeah so we have to sort of go well it's somewhere between metal machine music and little wayne um <laughs> which is quite a lot just of stuff in between now I'm going to say this. There's a lot of stuff on this record which is shite. Quite shite. There's a few things on it which I actually don't mind. There's a lot of it which yeah. is, is quite boring. Yeah. It's too long. It's not great. But because of what it's done, I'm willing to put it rather high. I'm willing Same. to go... Billy Idol, you get a little bit of respect for me for trying something new. Same. Um, yeah, Same. Now, Metal Machine Music is the one that I said stands out, but for me, this album is so far musically behind Red Hot Chili Peppers, Liz Fair, even Babylon, even Babylon Zoo, <laughs> even Babylon Zoo. Imagine that, even Babylon Zoo, Lauren Hill, Dee Dee King, William Shatner, like hilarious. I've already mentioned, I think, Naomi Campbell, The Twang, The Stooges, Fisher Spooner, Tim Machine, Westlife, because how good the songs are, Ashley Simpson, and then those kind of average ones. I'm going down again to U2 Songs of Innocence, which similarly was another record which tried something and ended up being a bit of a shit record, but kind of predating the rise of, you know, the way that the music industry would end up going. Yeah, there was a certain amount of Nostradamus style predicting Mm. with that album, not quite as accurately or uh, or as much... um, then with this record but yeah i I see what you're saying yeah i think that squeezes it down a little bit yeah i think musically there's a a little bit of stuff on here that i actually think is all right yeah i think shock to the system is is pretty good i think the last second to penultimate track um which i've forgotten the name of it already um actually i think wasteland is not awful Um, if wasteland was a minute shorter i think it'd be fine uh, yeah, the penultimate uh, track's called Then the Night Comes. Yes, Then the Night Comes and Venus, I both think, are kind of fine. I think the heroin shame cover I was is... asleep by that point, but yes. yes, I Yeah, uh, but I, I honestly think it is. So I think in, in that respect, 
It's better than Songs of Innocence. It's better than Attila. It is better than Macho Man Randy Savage, I guess. It's better than Supercharger. It's better yeah. than American Life. Yeah, I it's better than Uma Guma. It's better than results. It's better than results may vary. Yeah. It's better than Trey by Green Day. It's better than Primitive Call by Mick Jagger. Yeah, we're it's starting. Black and white starting Rainbows to Bush. slow down at this point. Yeah, the brakes I think, have been applied. I think where I get to, where I'm like, what would I rather listen to again, this or that? I actually think we get to cute is what we aim for. Crikey. Or maybe or maybe Melodia. Maybe Melodia by the Vines. I will confess I was looking at Melodia uh rather than cute is what we aim for. But um yeah. Although there's not much difference between the two. There's not much difference and I think I would I would rather put it above La Melodia just because Melodia is you know it's just another fucking rock album in it there's a hundred kajillion of them yeah whereas this is at least you know it's a couple of things that are enjoyable enough on it and it's very very forward thinking yeah Uh, well uh, uh, everything about it is forward thinking except for the music (laughs) (laughs) and even much of the music or much even some of the music is is all right. I mean, yeah. I do think probably Tune for Tune, Cute is What We Aim For, and Ashley Simpson are probably better albums. Mm. I think Tune for Tune, Melodia, it might be have slightly more songs that I find enjoyable, but I think I'm going to knock it down personally because of how forward-thinking the actual attempts this album made to be forward thinking are i think i think this is definitely an example of one of those records which could be placed it would feel correct to put it in many different places on this list for multiple different reasons but i am actually very satisfied and i'm happy with your rhetoric of putting it between van halen 3 which is currently at number 49 and the vines melodia which is currently 50 which would make it number 50 in the list well, I actually said put it above the Vines, but I think the Vines is probably a slightly better album, but it's a, a much more yeah, average album. That would be under Van Halen and above the Vines. Oh, you mean, sorry, you mean the... Uh, In between the Vines and Cute is what we aim for. Uh, okay, I mean, even that I'm happy with, you know, 51. Yeah, because like Melodia is just, you know, it, uh, I think Cute I think is what we aim for, to me, feels like a significantly better album. Where yeah, I don't think I think there's some, some there's nothing dislikable at all on Cute is what we aim for. It was just kind of bland, bland ass, boring, yeah. fucking pop punk. At least it was Whereas, short. It was half the length yeah. of this record. Fucking hell. and like Melodia is really short, but there are a couple of things on Melodia where you're like, this is shit. Yeah, and it's so fucking cheap, and you've pissed it out. You know, this obviously took a lot of a lot of time for Billy Idol to create this, and I think it deserves a little extra push purely for that i think i'm 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 there yeah i'm i'm with mm. you i think that is there a we good go place to put it. there you go so in it goes in between uh the vines and cute is what we aim for billy idol's cyberpunk album sure he's li- in the list I'm sure he's delighted to be in between the vines i'm and cute sure is what we aim he is we've got another 80s legend coming up next week renfrey okay testify by phil collins Ooh, okay Hooray! Finally, we get to talk about Phil Collins, like the uh, Patrick Bateman uh, living inside me so badly wants to do. 
good. Uh, good. Um, all right, lovely. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We appreciate that. We'll be back next week. We'll be chatting all things Phil Collins. I mean, maybe not all things. <laughs> no, <laughs> not all things. Fair few, fair few things. Uh, and, um, you, you know, like I say, leave us a review if you like. It'd be very nice if you give us a five-star review. We'd appreciate that hugely. But for now, we will go away and we will see you back here next week. Bye.